Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by Bet. Use that promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. Luke Stuckmeyer, Cody Del Mendo, and Ryan Herrera with you. And two special guests to start off the podcast on this Tuesday afternoon. Adam Sobel director producer from Cubs Productions and Mike Welsh from Sky Candy Studios. You're asking who are they and why are they related to this Cubs podcast? Well, I'll tell you why, because they are two of the guys mostly responsible for that unbelievable drone video that the Cubs put together that you saw at the end of the season. Uh, Adam, Mike, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you guys jumping on with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I guess my first question is, first of all, I watched it. I've been, I was in television, television for 25 years. I've been a cameraman. I've never flown a drone, but I've done lots of editing. I watched it and my mind was blown. First of all, (laughs) like that's one of the coolest videos I've seen. So kudos to you for that. How did the idea, first of all, come about for putting that together? Because I know it's not just, We'll get into the details. It's not just one shot, obviously, but how did the details of like, let's try this come about? Yeah. First of all, Luke, how do you know it's not one shot? How do you know? How dare well, you I, I have guesses already for, for people? Uh, I have guesses for two edit points. I'll tell you later, but I mean, it, uh, it doesn't matter. I don't get them right. A thousand edits. It was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, uh, the projects came about um, through Cups Productions. Uh, you know, this was an idea that uh, our executive producer, Mito, uh, had initially. I actually think the genesis for the idea, though, came from something that Mike and his company had done earlier. There were these drone fly-throughs that a lot of people have seen. Um, there was one amazing one on HBO Hard Knocks of the of the Cowboys facility, and uh, Mike was responsible for that. And so, like... You know, we had been talking about what we could do this season. Um, this was, you know, way back in maybe February before the season began. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea of, of doing some sort of fly through came up and uh, Matt got in touch with Mike and we kind of took it from there. And I got extremely excited about the mm-hmm. idea of working with Mike because, um, you know, beyond like the the cool things that he's done in sports, he made this uh, drone video in the pandemic that I had seen that went kind of viral. It was of this uh, uh, this bowling alley in Minneapolis, right? And it was just like this amazing one take um, that got picked up by like the New York Times. It got picked up on all, all the, you know, all the outlets. And when I watched it, I was like, this is so cinematic and so cool. 
Um, and so that's that's part of uh, part of what excited me about working on it with him. Well, I know uh, my buddy Joe Rios is over there, and he was a big part of this too. I mean, you guys did an amazing job, but I know the first time most people saw it, you thought, oh, it's a drone video. And then it flies through the fire truck behind Wrigley Field. <laughs> Everybody's just kind of, there's like a gasp from anybody I've shown it to like, <gasps> how did you get it through the fire truck without crashing the drone? <laughs> yeah, so surprisingly, that's not that hard of a gap because the drone is so small. I mean, the drone's about a foot by a foot. Um, and you've probably heard about these style of drones or the FPV ones where you wear the goggles. Um, so you actually feel, the, you basically feel like you are the drone when you're flying. So you're able to accomplish those more difficult shots, you know, flying through, uh, oh yeah, pull it up. Uh, you know, flying through a window. Um, we definitely crashed inside the truck once. So it's not like an easy <laughs> shot, but, uh, uh, we got a cool behind the scenes video of that with the fire guys, uh, you know, waving at the, at the drone. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it was just awesome that they were down to, to be a part of the video. Like they were so helpful and, uh, did everything we asked them to do. And, uh, they were just good sports all the way through. Yeah. My, my question is how did like, how did everyone react to see, like, how did you get like all these people in Murphy's on the street at Wrigley and just like, how did you let them know, hey, there's a drone that's going to fly right past your face? Just don't don't be alarmed. Ah, right through the window. Um, it was, uh, um, you know, I think, how do we say it? It's like a lot of those people are planted, right? A lot of those people are um, people who we work with or friends who we called in for the day um, and said, hey, could you could you be involved in this? Um, and then, uh, a lot of those people aren't, and the people who aren't, I would just say like, you know, we have really loud friends who would just like broadcast it before every take, like drone coming through. Come on guys. Like, uh, just everybody know we got the drone coming through. Don't look at it. Um, and so it's just a lot of like running up and down the street, um, running in and out of Murphy's, letting people know this is happening. Um, Joe Rios says, you know, Luke, you, you like Joe Rios was the producer on this and he was like you know, Mr. Hustle, I would say, uh, definitely letting a lot of people know that, that this was going on. Um, and then we got some happy accidents. Like even when we flew through um, Gallagher Way there, you know, maybe it wasn't by accident, but we realized like, oh, we're going to have this band playing. They can shout it over the, you know, in between songs, we'll just let, they'll just let everybody know that this is happening. And then actually when they're playing music, they're distracting everybody from the fact that there's a drone coming through, right? So like everybody's listening to the music and they can't even hear the drone coming. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of, uh, coordination, some luck, uh, a lot of, a lot of takes, a few crashes and, uh, yeah, good fun. And I mean, like after, the, after like the third time you fly through Murphy's, people are kind of bored with it. The first couple of <laughs> times you got frat boys flicking it off and you know, you've got, you're going to have some unusable takes, but the third time it's kind of like, okay, we've seen that. Like we're good. Um, so that's the key is just run it more than three times and you'll get a good take. Unbelievable. Uh, so the technical questions, the one guess on the dissolve, first dissolve or maybe second dissolve, is it when it goes through the scoreboard and you get the white light coming through from Wrigley Field? Is that is that an edit point there? Can you can you tell us where the edit points are? Well, I can tell you that um, that is not an edit point. And wow. yet it, it's a fantastic guess. And it's kind of like Mike was a little you were, he was a little upset, actually, during the shoot, because uh, I was like, you know, 
that's a perfect spot for an edit if we need to add one. If we're like the the start, you know, like the first half of this take, but we're not in love with the second half, we can always swap it out there. And I was like, look at like even like we're blowing out there. And so Mike was like, no, but it's not an edit. I don't want people thinking it's an edit. That's gonna. And so it's uh, it's actually not an edit, but okay. it almost should be. <laughs> so it would be like the perfect spot for an edit, but it's not one. Unbelievable. Um. Gosh, I, I have so many questions. So like when you're, I assume it's being shot at like, are, are you shooting it at full speed? I don't understand how the drone is going so fast. And yet the people, it, it must be at regular speed because the people are walking at regular speed. But I, I thought to myself, well, there's no way they're flying a drone that fast because they'd be crashing it all over the place. <laughs> is it regular speed? Did you, did you mess with the speed somehow? It's it's mostly regular speed. I there's some areas where we wanted to get through it a little quicker, and I think we bumped it up to one ten, maybe one fifteen. But I would say eighty percent is real time. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's um, and it yeah. I mean, the drone flies pretty pretty fast. It's uh you know you can get up to thirty five miles an hour with this drone. Um, but like I said before, what's nice about it is it's so small. And it actually weighs under 250 grams. So it's like, it's almost like nothing. It's, it's, if you felt it, you'd be like, this is an absolute toy. Um, so it's pretty incredible when you actually see the drone flying around. It's like you're flying a feather yeah. or something. Like it's just, <laughs> just letting it go. It's a, it's a kite. I was amazed like when the drone that? showed up, because we were talking about flying through the window and like, yeah. no, I've never shot with this type of drone before. And so, um, it, like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like I've eaten slices of pizza bigger than this drone you know like they're like this drone is not that big and so when you look at it, you're like oh that's that's what we're dealing with here yeah we really can go like in and out of really tight spaces and we really can um you know kind of buzz very close to people as well because it's padded and it's super light like mike said so it's not going to do any sort of you know damage and that's that's kind of like the game changer with these drones is they're so safe uh, you're able to fly them incredibly close to people so we've been able like we flew this drone like a foot away from like rihanna's head and these lawyers are starting to sign off because they look at it and they're like oh this actually is an incredibly like there's no risk here um and so that's it's making these type of productions possible where um you know before if you don't have those prop guards and you could cut someone it's like definitely not worth you know trying to do a shoot like this but now that the safety's been bumped up we can do it how how did you pick the day? Obviously, like it was, it's a 120 star Cubs, you know, at Wrigley Field. But it's like you could have you could have ran into rain. It could have been like crazy. It could have been no one there. Like how did you how did you come up with the right day to do it? Yeah, that was a tough. Uh, so we we did actually we, we gave ourselves a three day window. Uh, so we had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We 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 picked a weekend series. Uh, we did this uh, during the Mets series because we knew, you know, that's like that's a marquee matchup, right? You're going to have a pretty packed house generally. Um, and we had really bad weather on Friday. We had like terrible rain, foggy conditions. Saturday, when we shot most of the shots that end up in the, uh, in the final piece, like the conditions are pretty foggy. It's overcast. It was not a beautiful day to fly the drone. It was windy too. And then Sunday was even worse. Um, so to be honest, like we did not really uh yeah we we weren't feeling great about things on the day of the shoot because we we're like oh this is not you know the perfect uh sunshine and fresh air wrigley field that you want to see 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's even more of a testament to like the final, the final product that people don't seem to be noticing that they just seem to be kind of keyed in on, on, on how cool it is. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, even like how emotional it is for some people. So, uh, so that, 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 that part's great for us. That was what I was going to say. The one time, the one thing that I wish that it would have been was there was more sun. Cause I just feel like that would have made it even better, but Hey, you st- I mean, it was, it, it's an incredible video. <laughs> it really is. Uh, the dingers podcast on the YouTube feed saying beautiful video, uh, most scenic views in all of baseball. Thank you, Michael, for bringing the beautiful sights and sounds of Wrigley of a Friday 120. And I think most Cubs fans, you know, I think I've seen every view of Wrigley Field that there is possible. Every closet, uh, the scoreboard, all of it. Like, but I've never seen Wrigley Field or Wrigleyville that way in what looks like and feels like one shot. I mean. I just can't get over it. Now, there's no way baseball let you guys onto the field with the drone. Am I am I wrong about that? Like, I I can't imagine that Major League Baseball was like, yeah, fly a drone over our park. How did how did you get say a running out of the dugout from what looks like again one shot? Like you're coming up the hallway and at times to him running out onto the field. How did that happen? Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess that's like uh, you know uh, the the sports amazing drone videos that it is not all drone not all shot with the drone wow. so we actually you know had planned to shoot the whole thing with the drone we can't we had sign off from everybody we were going to fly the drone out and then uh a few days before the shoot it was like oh wait a minute you know somebody changed their mind we we're like no we, we're not flying a drone out on on the field that's a bad wow. idea and so we had to then uh quickly find a different solution so actually there's two shots in the uh, in the finished piece that are not on drone there it's a small gimbal camera um for the final shot uh uh michael actually it's it i love it because it was like um one of the parts of the deal i guess that we had with, with michael's company is like they were gonna get a suite at the game and so on sunday michael's at the game gonna like take it in with a bunch of friends uh after we had finished shooting um, but we had to get this last shot with Saya because we got it on Saturday and we were happy with it, but we wanted to try it, uh, wanted to tweak it a little. And so Michael was like, oh, "Man, I'm gonna go to the, you know, uh, go to the suite, kind of get ready, and then I'll come back for uh, just before first pitch, and I'll do this last shot where we run out of the field." And it's like a long, it's a long run, you know. People underestimate how long that run is from the dugout to right field. And Saya, you know, is like a world class athlete, right? Um, so he's not, he's not, he's not going to loaf out there. Uh, he's got the fans there cheering him on. And Mike had been like, we've been shooting all day. That was like a one hour break where Mike's like, gonna have a hot dog, gonna have a beer, you know, and then <laughs> gonna run, you know, 300 feet to uh, chasing Say Suzuki with this gimbal camera. And, you know, he did an amazing job, but I don't think it was like nearly as uh, uh, easy as probably um, we would have liked it to be or you would have you thought it would be initially. Yeah, everyone was saying it looked like I was working really hard to keep up with someone who was barely jogging. And that's, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what it was. I was completely out of breath and I was most nervous for that shot because I was like, what if I trip up the stairs or like, I don't know, it was just timing it out was was a little scary, but uh, it, it turned out pretty good. Yeah, you um, did you great. The stairs, considering, uh, we, how hard it is. We, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. I mean, it is amazing. Up and down. Huffing yeah. and puffing. 
Well, and when you run with a gimbal, obviously you want to keep it as smooth as possible. So you get this like kind of a weird run. Um, I got some behind the scenes video of it. I looked absolutely ridiculous, but um, you know, any, <laughs> anything for the shot. Yeah. So obviously right. that drop, before, you know, during the last home stand, I think it was that Saturday. What was the feeling like kind of leading up to that, knowing like you guys put the finishing touches on it, it's ready to go. And then the feeling afterwards of seeing the reaction from, you know, Cubs fans or Twitter or whoever it was. Um, yeah, just uh, to say personally, like it was, um, it was exciting. It was a relief in some ways to be releasing it. Cause we were kind of, um, I would say putting the finishing touches on it for a while. So, you know, we were, we were, uh, we were waiting with uh, great anticipation to get it out there. And then, um, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. And I, uh, have felt that about other things that have made and you, you, you have a good feeling, but you're just not positive that you know you don't know how how it's going to be received um and i would say you know the expectations like it's done it's done awesomely well um and it's it's amazing just to read uh, people's feedback about you know yeah there's like a lot of people who are just impressed by the cool factor which is awesome that's what you know that, that that's what we're going for but um then there are a lot of people who are you know touched by how we've showed off the neighborhood or because they feel like it's kind of captured um, their experience of going to, to the ballpark, right? And so um, th those, uh, yes, that I think elevates it for me and uh, just makes it special. I mean, awesome, awesome job, guys. I, I literally can't say that enough. Like, it's, it's one of the coolest sports videos I've ever seen. And to do it at Wrigley Field, um, hats off, job well done. And uh, I look forward to the sequel when you guys do it at the next Cubs World Series game in a couple years. <laughs> and, and Mike, I, no hot dogs before you shoot that one. I want you to be ready to go for that one. That's right. No, Mike, coffee. Mike's Let's proven go. he can do it with a hot dog or two. Like, <laughs> he's good to go. He's always And a beer. And, and a beer. <laughs> Built different. Yeah. I like it. All right. Thanks, and guys. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but we really appreciate it. Again, Sky Candy Studios. Uh, Mike Welsh, the cinematographer, and Adam Sobel, Joe Rios, and all the guys over at Cubs Productions, uh, directors, producers, everybody involved. Literally, that's that's as good as it gets. Job well done. Yeah. Thanks, very Thanks much, guys. guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great yeah. job, guys. Sure. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Green Ridge Farm, a local meat and cheese company, offering you a better all-natural option. Makers of all-natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. Perfect for tailgating, happy hour, school lunches, maybe before you head to Wrigley Field. All natural meat sticks are handmade and hand, I'm sorry, hardwood smoked for eight hours. I can't read my own writing on that one. Um, <laughs> they're all natural and they have 16 grams of protein per stick. They're made absolutely perfect and they make a great post-workout snack. Uh, meat sticks come in chicken, black forest beef, jalapeno cheddar, spicy chili, delicious because they're made from recipes generations in the making, all natural. They deliver a fresh, flavorful alternative at snack time, refrigeration section. You can find them at Costco, Sam's Club, your Chicagoland grocery stores. And right now, when you order three meat products at greenridgefarm.com, include a pack of meat sticks in your basket. They'll be free when you use the code CHGO at checkout. That's Green Ridge Farm. Simply natural meat. Uh, 
Luke, remember yes. remember when uh, Cardinal fans got to go to the playoff game for a buck? I do. And yeah, they still, well, what, what's the record now? They played they played two games in October. Yeah, two games in October. And how many did the Cubs have? Uh, the Cubs have three wins in October, and oh. the Cardinals have two. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Facts. <laughs> F-A-X. <laughs> These are facts. But, you know, <laughs> Cardinal fans, and, and even, you know, if, you, if you're like me and you're just, you know, really ruthless and you wanted to do a, a good hate watch in person, you could have gone to the, the Cardinals-Phillies game one for a dollar on because of game time. Yeah. And and that's wow. one of the reasons why I love game time, because if you really hate something that much and you want to watch something fail in person that much, man, game time really sets you up, guys. It really it really did for one dollar for one whole dollar. <laughs> game time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts and shows ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could 50 yard line court side behind home plate floor, floor seats at a concert it's possible with the game time app the biggest last minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you never could you could never buy you won't find a better deal this season on bears tickets blackhawks bulls i mean harry styles harry styles yeah, went to yeah my girlfriend got went to went to harry styles last night somehow some way i don't know how she did it but on she did time. it it was mainly because of game time i'm i'm, I'm telling you uh Created by the fans for the fans guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHO, you'll love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description here on YouTube. Or if you're listening via podcast, it's in the description as well. Uh, join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. Yeah, I had a game time a couple of weeks back. They went to the Bears game. Mm. Great time, great seats. Mm. Bottom like. We were at the we were at our CHGO tailgate, you know, a few, few blocks away. Bought them right there, for mm. like a hundred bucks a piece. It's like it was. It was I went. It was cheap. Yeah, I I went and watched the barn burner that was Illinois Iowa, the nine to six victory, uh, because of game time. I mean, just I got to watch the 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 grit that is the that is Big Ten football, <laughs> like 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 a few rows yeah. off the ground like yeah. it was it was the perfect seats uh, i think i tweeted a picture out where i was sitting it was all because of game time guys yeah. it was just just perfect it was a great time we should ask uh mike welsh if he'd do a drone video of us on set next time just kind of fly through the set through through the the alley outside the office then maybe where the yeah. jimmy john's guy comes into the office and then through jake's office oh yeah that would be a uh, video, but <laughs> I love how they how I can't remember exactly what he said, but uh when Ryan asked them about um, you know, how it made like the feedback, how it made them feel and everything, yeah. and how he said something related to the lines of like how it made a fan, it reminded a fan of their their fan experience. And like mm -hmm. that's how I felt, like because it starts at Murphy's and I go to Murphy's before like every game, basically, and then you go around the ballpark and you know, you get to see all the side. And it's just like, that's, that's the feeling it gave me when I watch it for the first that's time. Wrigleyville for Cody. Yeah. Yeah. But it's beyond, it's even beyond that because it's like, it takes you in the scoreboard. Like how many people get yeah. to go in the scoreboard? It takes you into the clubhouse. It takes you through the weight room and you follow, say it like there's so many places it takes you. It's just, it, I mean, really is amazing. Like they had to match the audio because the drone makes too much noise. So the audios on it is all faked. Uh, but it doesn't feel that way. No. Like the whole thing was really well done. I saw at some point, like early on, it had 7 million views just on Twitter. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know what it's at now, but if you haven't seen it, um, I would assume it's now on 7.6 million views, Luke. Where where is it at? On, it Twitter, on Twitter, 7.6. Yeah. 7.6 and I'm sure it's on their uh, YouTube page and all those different places because uh, really it's pretty awesome. Um, okay, the rest of the podcast, we're going to start doing our grades, right? Our report cards. People are excited about this. Yeah. And I saw Jack asking, hey, are you guys going to mention the Ricketts letter? Do you want to mention the Ricketts letter? Because it's really just, it's more vanilla ice cream, right? It's its just like, hey, it's not good enough. We're going to try to win. Like, I don't know what he's going to say that's going to surprise you. Is there anything in there that you want to say before we do the report cards? Um, Not really. Uh, he just highlighted, you know, like the second half of the season. And then he, you know, he said the classic, you know, we got resources and like, basically balls in Jed's court. Like it basically was everything that you would expect him to say. Right. I, I just want to say again, though, like don't overread it. Don't take every word to heart. <laughs> Cause like we said it yesterday, like it's there it's, it's playing a game of poker, man. Like I'm, I, I, I honestly don't want them to tell the entire world that, Hey, we're going to spend millions and millions of dollars. That's only going to hike the price up for a lot of, a lot of guys that people think they might be interested anyway, I think. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. Well, I saw that Ryan's article about what Jed said, you know, we were talking about, it. I said, I said, it's vanilla, like, forget it. Um, but there, there was stuff to dissect out of it. And Ryan, that's unlocked, right? Yes, you it don't is. Have, to have a subscription just for that article. No, unlocked over at all chgo.com. The takeaways from uh, Jed's end of season presser is on there um yeah no that's unlocked so even if you don't if for some reason you're still not subscribed to chgo like you could you could go and read that one for free and then you know there's always a link to if you like it there's a link to 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 sign up your free shirt you still get a free shirt go ahead and do it i I heard a rumor that ricketts at one point did have a shout out to michael collada in the letter but he decided to take it out too much negativity he said Mm. too much negativity Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, check out Ryan's article, uh, allchgo.com. Uh, we decided to start with one position player and one pitcher, right? And we decided we'll break down the position players by offense, defense, and then an overall grade we gave them. Because we didn't want it to just be like, did the guy hit well? Did he play well in the field? You know, we want Anderson Simmons to have a fair shake in this when we get there. Simmons. <laughs> and we're really gonna break down every single player that was on this roster right? we should be we should break down il tomorrow vargas too we got time 64? we've got time uh, 64 so we're gonna start with the guy in the team that probably had the best season overall does everybody agree with that nico horner yeah. had the best season for a cubs player this year absolutely i don't yeah. think there's anyone better from first game of the year to the very end of the year he was far and away the best player on the Cubs this year. Um, definitely a position player. It's hard to like compare a position player and a pitcher, but I, I think know there's I mean? one or two that have an argument to have been the best player, but I think Nico is the one yeah. that kind of broke out the most. Yeah, for like sure. he, 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 yeah, definitely had the best season in terms of like kind of where he came in or expectations coming in kind of thing, I would say. Yeah. And that's the tricky part, like having to factor in these. Yeah, I'm trying to be as fair as I can in the grades, right? Like, and I, I know you guys are too, but like, again, like you said, Nico, the expectation was lower. He, he, 
he went above that expectation. How do you compare that to a guy like Wilson Contreras? And should we be factoring it? I personally kind of graded mine, I think, tough because I'm going to grade guys compared to the rest of baseball, right? So I don't want to just compare them to like, hey, this guy had a good season for him. How did he have a season compared to equal players from the, the, the same position for the Cardinals, the same position for the Brewers, the same position for the Yankees, the same position. So I did the, I, the way I did it. I did it the same way. So you did it that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same wave wavelength and I'm glad that we're a little different. Yeah. Have, based off what I've seen. Little, I might've done mine a little different, but well, that's all, but that's all right. That's I mean, fine. I just want to explain it before, before we right. get people all angry about what the grades are. I see Michael Collada says Nico, a B half a B plus. And I think I saw Shane saying B plus plus. Is that right for Nico? I thought I saw that earlier. B plus yeah. plus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who wants to go first? Ryan, you want to go first with your grades yeah, for let's Nico? Let's do it. So Ooh. with with Nico, I gave him an uh, yeah B plus on offense. I mean, he didn't like he he did not show that he's like a top tier hitter in this league or anything like that. But I mean, he hit what 15 home runs or 10 home runs. What was it? 10 home runs. Yeah. 10 10. Home runs. We were hoping oh, someone else had 15, but we were one away. Yeah. The right? under hit 10 home runs. I mean the one Oh six WRC plus you want that higher. And I think, um, you know, a little bit lower slug, uh, that, that didn't help a ton, but I mean, he hit 281. um, OPS is in the seven hundreds and, and his contact rate strikeout, like all that is stuff's like top of the league kind of stuff. And so if you're comparing it to the rest of the league, like no Nico's not going to hit you uh, a ton of home runs. If he can get you 15 to 20, like in seasons moving forward, like that's very, very good, but mm-hmm. I don't think you expect it. Um, but if you're comparing it to the rest of the league, like that's Nico proving that he's a guy that fits in at the top of the order. I think Nico could be a leadoff hitter. Like he has, enough pop but he puts the ball in play i mean he doesn't whiff a lot he doesn't uh, uh swing and miss a lot like it's all he, he's a very good contact hitter and you, as much as like power sort of dominates the game these days like you need a guy like that and i think nico kind of proved that he's one of the better guys at doing that in the league so i, th- I think at the 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 slug the lower slug and obviously the wrc plus the numbers i it knocked him down for me into the b plus range um but i think he kind of proved that he's like he's not like a, a an eight an eight or nine guy in the lineup like he needs to be near the top for when the cubs are ready to win um and then as far as the defense i again i did it differently actually maybe not because I, I gave him an a plus i don't think either of you two did but he had like i think he was uh second in the national league in defensive run save he had 11 uh miguel rojas had 15 but that's like he's number the fourth most defensive run saved in the majors uh, and what really did it for me and why I gave him an A plus is be like we said a few minutes ago, which is like the expectations for Nico. You didn't know what you were going to get. He hadn't proven that he was a long-term solution at shortstop mm-hmm. in any season, not even just because he couldn't stay healthy, but you just didn't know. But he put in the work in the off season. He, you know, he got stronger. He got that arm stronger. Um, and he showed that all year. He, you know, he, his range is probably better than anyone expected. I mean, he was making Jeter esque, plays out there in the hole and to, to do that compared to what the, you know, the questions around him at shortstop coming into the season, I just think he way exceeded everyone's expectations of, of now as much as everyone 
thought the Cubs should have should go get one of the shortstops and that be your shortstop and Nico move over to second. I don't think that's like changed much. I think from last offseason to this offseason, like it's still kind of like that's what they should do. But now it's not like you're you're completely comfortable with Nico as your shortstop next year if that doesn't happen. If for whatever reason they get outbid by for any of those top four shortstops, like having Nico Horner as your shortstop next year is like that's not a death sentence. That's not that's not a worst case scenario by any means. Like he proved he could be a a very good shortstop at this level. Would he be like a perennial Gold Glover at second base? Probably, but I I, I don't think you're. It's not a bad thing to go into next season with Nico as your shortstop. No, I think those are fair. I think those are really fair grades. In fact, it's made me rethink <laughs> mine. Although my graphic is in already, I'm re- and now I'm now you've got me second guessing by a plus Luke or a is, minus. Luke is treating grade. grades like who you got. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should have consulted the other professors before <laughs> the other club professors. So you should have, have consulted uh, Brendan Miller. Well, he Brendan, we don't need <laughs> Brendan's grade on Nico Horner. It's A plus, A plus, and A plus plus. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, we know exactly what that report card looks like. <laughs> um, do I can go next because yeah, mine's pretty similar have, to how, Ryan's. How is yours compared to Ryan's? Um, so offense, I went B plus. Uh, and defense, I went A, and overall, I went A. Which Ryan, you said overall was an A as well. Yeah, I gave yeah. Him an A overall. So. I guess um, the reason I went B-plus on the offense is kind of similar to the reasons that Ryan said. Um, But also, I went B-plus there because I – for the the reasons that Ryan said that needs – he would get an A if it was a little bit higher, I'm also okay with the fact that his numbers were at where it's at because Nico should – like we saw during the golden era, the Cubs having nothing but power hitters in their lineup wasn't always – the best thing. So I like, I like his offensive game. I think there's, I put B plus cause I think it can be better next year. I think what he hit 10 this year, I think he could be a 15 Homer guy, you know, remember, never forget back in like May and June where I said, this guy has Tim Anderson, like qualities as a hitter. And uh, Steven, our producer looked at me like I was a moron. And then a bunch of people yelled at me in the chat. And <laughs> what happened Nico Horner was the best shortstop in Chicago this year, and it's not even really like a question. And you know what? Uh, Tim Anderson was the starting shortstop for the American League this year. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I, that's a big reason why he's getting an A overall for me because he outperformed the starting shortstop for the American League uh, that's on the other side of town. That's not me saying that Tim Anderson isn't good or anything. He's great. He's a great baseball player. But Nico Horner had a better year than him this year, and the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, Again, the de- defense, Ryan already said it. Um, I think that that's his best quality for sure, especially with the shift going away. If you compare another athletic uh, guy up the middle with him, you ha- will have an elite defense up the middle. And again, with the shift going away, that will be very, very key for this team moving forward. So um, I, I think Nico will be the only guy I give an A to on this roster. Uh, but to me, I think he's more than deserving of it. Um, a lot of people coming into the season thought that this guy was a second baseman only. No one even wanted to give him the chance to play shortstop. And not only did he excel at it, he excelled at it at an elite level, especially defensively. Now, offensively, again, it can be better, but I'm also okay with the fact that he had a 106 WRC plus and is just a really good contact hitter. 
was like you wanted again you want it to be higher because if, if he's going to be like a, a a guy you count on you count on in the lineup like that for needs sure. to be higher it's a little too close to league average for a guy that you want to pencil in as your like top four or five whatever hitters but there's room for growth obviously on his offense like he as long as he's putting the ball in play he gets older he gets more in his prime i think more pop more pop will come and that that'll obviously help that number yeah rise. I just I think that that number will rise a little bit more. I think every well I can't say that for everyone, but I, I just think the shift going away is going to benefit so many guys next year. And for a guy like Nico who hits the ball all over the ballpark anyway, I think it'll even benefit him even more. So I'm not really too worried about it. But again, yeah, in the age that we're playing and the age that of where baseball is at. Would love to see him get up to like 16, 7, 17 homers next year. And like I said, if he's giving you anywhere between 15, 20 home runs a year, like that's like all you can really ask for out of a guy like that. Like yeah. for a guy that's made his kind of game on contact to also get you 15, 20 homers, yeah. like you can't ask for much more. And Steven, I'm, I wasn't slandering you. I'm just, I'm just saying what happened. I, I didn't even say Tim he was Anderson Tim Anderson. Got injured. That's, I didn't even well say he was that. Tim Anderson. I just said he was Tim Anderson like. So. He had a great year. Uh, as a Sox fan, I have to admit, he far exceeded my expectations, and I would have given him an A this year overall. There we go. All right, here's Luke. That's fair. Let's see what um, Luke's got. Would Would you trade him for, for Tim Anderson straight up? No, because Nico's better defensively. Ooh. No, I was that is asking, also true. I was asking Steven. Oh. oh, no, I'm keeping Tim Anderson. That's not happening. <laughs> I'm just curious. There's, not a, there's not a lot of difference in them, I think. I think you get a you might get a better offensive hitter out of Tim Anderson, but you definitely get a better defensive player out of Nico Horner. So, you know. These, these things are both true. I'll give you yeah. that. I don't think yeah. uh, I don't think it would be like a huge win for either team, but I think it's, no. it's interesting. Uh, David Snyder says, uh, Nico, A, to me, he is an untouchable player, all-star, possibly Hall of Famer. Injury bug was right. a temporary thing. So that, I love you know, this energy. I love this energy. Hall folks. of Famer may be going a little far. I do. Yeah, I do David remember. Snyder has been watching Brennan's podcast. <laughs> way yeah. too I, I do remember around the All-Star game, like there was definitely talk of like, was Nico Horner a snub, like at, at, mm, for right. an All-Star? And there's like the fact that he put himself kind of in that discussion, kind of is a testament to what he did this year. Yeah. Now again, like. Going back to what I said about him and Tim Anderson, like I think you really could like next year if he if he puts up another another season like this uh, next year, then yeah, I think you can really start talking about him maybe being better than him just if you're seeing consecutive seasons of it. Um, but again, Nico has had one really good year. Tim Anderson has put together a solid career since he's came up to the big leagues. That's just me being fair. So don't say I'm just a biased fan of this show. All right, let's let's look at my report card. And as we do, I see Colada has given Tom Ricketts an F plus, so that it's positive. He didn't go straight <laughs> F. He went F. He went plus. F plus. He didn't even give him an F minus. He didn't give him an F minus. F plus. Things Ooh. are looking up for Mr. Ricketts. Uh, <laughs> my report card, and and I have one that I would change, but we'll go with this anyway. Overall offense, I went B because, like you guys, I want to see. I want to see 15 to 20 home runs. And I think that's coming next year um, for where he was a year ago to where he is now. Unbelievable progress. And like Cody, I don't see myself giving anybody on the team an a, the only person I would have considered going a four would have been Nico Horner, 
if I compare him to the rest of the team, well, if he's an all, if he was an all-star, which isn't necessarily his fault, or, or if he wins the Gold Glove, which we'll get to in a second, maybe these grades go up. But currently, where it stands, I, I'll go offense B because I would like to see more power. But I've been really impressed with you know everything he did on the offensive side. Now, defensively. I'm going B plus again. I think that goes up to an A minus A. It pro- probably goes to just a straight A if he wins the Gold Glove, because I don't think he could do much better than that. Um, I'll say B because what do we say? The metrics say right now maybe he was the second best shortstop defensively in the National League. Yeah, yeah, as right. As like so defensive run saved. B, you know, the B plus there might be a little hard. Maybe that should be an A minus. That's the one I would change. Um, but when I go to my overall grade and I say B plus, it's for a couple reasons. It's one, I'm comparing him to everybody else in baseball. And if I'm comparing him to the best shortstops in baseball, I want a little more power. And I think it's coming. I didn't want everything to be perfect this season. He's young. Um, and then everybody knows the injury stuff. Like, is it his fault that an umpire runs into him? Like, no, but I wanted him to see him play more games now it was better than last year he's proven he's more durable all of those things i i could see myself upping the overall grade to a minus but i think b plus is the right grade for me the only thing i would change is defense i would move it to an a minus and i would then if he got if he gets the gold glove then i would say he's an a and possibly overall grade goes up but right now I didn't feel like I wanted to give anybody on the team an A either. And I know it's not because of the record. I'm just saying I don't know if anybody in any position was necessarily the best player in all of baseball at that position. And to me, that's an A or an A+. And so if, if we're being difficult about it, I'll say I'll stick with the B+. I could easily go as high as an A-. You and Michael Kawada. Well, Michael Kawada agrees hands. with you. He agrees yeah, with you. So. You guys are shaking hands. No, no, no. His, his, his belief was nobody on the team gets an A until they're above 500, which I don't agree with because if Nico Horner hit 25 home runs and was the gold glove winner and they still lost, you know, they still lost more games than they won or they were 500 or whatever – I would still give him an A because that was the best. He was the best at that position. I'm comparing him to the rest of baseball. And I can't remember who said it in the chat and something in that clicked in my head too. They said, I started dropping the grades a little bit when I started watching them. I felt pretty good until I watched the playoff games. And then I saw what real playoff teams look like. And I realized, Oh, that's the expectation, not the expectation for what was this guy last year? What is he now? So right. I don't, I, I don't agree with Michael's thing that a, a team under 500 can't have an A player. It can like Mike Trout is an A player, right. but I just think that the defensive side of his game this year was so good that he was deserving of an A because well, no one thought he could do it. You at went A minus. You went A minus. I went, I went a, I just went you straight went a. a on okay. it. I mean, I didn't think about the plus and the minus, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I can go. I can it. go a. I can go a minus. Like I said, if he wins the Gold Glove, I'm happy with. I'm, I yeah. for sure would go to an a minus. But right now, I would say he's at like what? He's he should be in the running. He should at least be a finalist for the Gold Glove this year. He's like, he's, if he's I was giving a percentage, will be. 
I'd say 86, 87 percent. That's that's a BB plus or 88. He's 88. That's the B plus. OK, that's fair. That's fair. There's not much like difference 90. between a B plus and an A. No, line, I, agree. I think mine's I agree. like 93, like right on the low end of A, but it's still technically an A. Yeah. Right. And, and for a guy that really didn't get very many A's, it's got to be tough to get an A. You know, I want to make it a little tougher. <laughs> don't, be, don't be disappointed in a C. It means you're average. That's good. Hey, uh, C's got degrees. That's what yeah. I told myself at, e, at Eastern <laughs> Illinois. That's right. Every Sometimes time I went to the bar. you got to have yeah. average people in the class, too. <laughs> Uh, that's why I'm doing this instead of doing like math and stuff. That's right. <laughs> that's why you're Cody Dell metrics, but you're <laughs> not an engineer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, hey, uh, Chicago, you've already had the best coverage for your favorite teams. Now get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco's got you covered from Soldier Field to the fan cave in your basement. North side, south side, hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports, merchandise, and collectibles, FOCO. If you're looking for that perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered. Hoodies that will fight that Lake Michigan breeze. It's starting to get cool out there. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off your order. And now this one's a product that we've, teamed up with and Cody is big on this because he's seen it in person. Shy Town Custom Cornhole, the number one cornhole provider in Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007. They have a signature box style that can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl and painted. Their cornhole boards come with built-in drink holders recessed on the back, LED lights that light up the hole in the exterior, handles for easier carrying, and and also handcrafted scorekeepers. Veteran owned and operated. They ship everywhere. They also offer you local pickups if you want, specializing in corporate designs for your next meeting or social event, weddings, gifts, all occasions, especially tailgates or backyard barbecues. Did you have one in Champagne when you went to the Illini game? I, I know they made us some pretty cool CHGO ones that we have <laughs> in studio, but did you have one at the Illini game? Uh, at the tailgate I was at, there were yeah. my friend, he had, he had a, he had a, a bag set, or but corn not, set. not corn, not the Shy Town. It was not through Shy Town. I told so him far. all about it, though. It I told so him all it. about it. Told me you should get a nice Illini yeah. themed uh, set, and they would have the best tailgate at Illini games uh, the rest of the fall. You know what? Somebody should do. They should get Lovey's face and make the hole his mouth. So you're like throwing the bags <laughs> like Lovey's mouth. <laughs> like the, beard, the big gray beard is at the bottom of the board. That's what yeah. I would do if I was. Well, a lot of people are are scarred from the Lovey Smith era, so I, I don't think anyone will do that. <laughs> hey, he's back in the NFL. Uh, you guys ready to get back to um, report cards, Justin Steele? Let's do it. So yeah. the report cards for the pitchers, we decided we we're trying to figure out how you, you can't go offense, defense, DH now. So we went results like record strikeouts uh innings you know whip all of those things right and then we went stuff and adjustments what does the what does the eye test tell you is this guy is it wesneski does it look sick uh and and did he make the adjustments when the league made the adjustments has he added a pitch has he uh improved himself throughout the season so and then and then overall grade let's go in the same order Ryan, you take um, 
Justin Steele, who I think uh, would be another guy that might get pretty high grades, possibly even close to A. So I'm curious yeah. what you guys gave him. All right. So, yeah. So I just B pluses all around the board. Um, he had a good year. He had a really good year. Um, you know, first full season as a starter. Um, and really, he was kind of that rock in the rotation the entire year until obviously the 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 low back stuff that pretty much ended his season. Um, but up until then, I mean, you look at what he does. I mean, he's a lefty, so he always has going to have like natural low cut cut action on stuff just just from that angle. But I mean, you look on on, on baseball savant, his like stat cast percentile rankings, like average exit velocity, 80th percentile hard hit percentage, 82nd percentile, barrel barrel rate, 95th percentile. I mean, this guy wasn't giving up hard contact like at all, all year. And with a good defense behind him, I know we, we had a lot of, you know, errors and, and just poor defensive play early in the season. Um, it, it, he, with a good defense behind him, like that, that's going to help him out so much as far as like he gets, he gets the ball on the ground all the time. Like I think over 50% of the time or almost 60%, something like that. I wrote it down somewhere, but like the, the, he was getting ground balls, so like with a good defense, that's going to shore up a lot of things. And, you know, I did the, the kind of search for it because he only ended up with four wins. He was four and seven. He made 24 starts. He was four and seven. Um, I think he had a 3.18 ERA. He was the only pitcher in baseball all year to make 24 starts have an ERA under 3.50 and only win four games. Like we know starting pitching wins don't really matter in this day and age, but like when you're the only one with numbers as good as his, as his were, that kind of tells you something like he, you want to see him take steps further um, moving forward because he, I mean, he's 20, he's going to be 28 or he is 28 now. Somebody's like 27, 28 27 this year. Uh, I so. think he's going to be, so he's going to be 28 um, next July. You want to see him start taking quick steps further because you know, obviously before he gets 30, gets to 30, you want he, but I think he has really good potential to be, you know, that two or three guy in this rotation uh, for a few years when this team is good. Um, but yeah, I, so I gave him B pluses all around. I mean, just as far as stuff, um, you know, he's got good pitches. Um, they all generally work again, just considering the fact that he doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. Um, I mean, the four seamer, it, he threw that the most pitch this year. It did end up with a 313, uh, you know, batting average against, but expected batting average against was 276. So a little bit of bad luck there um, as far as, you know, other opponents putting the ball in play against that. The slider was by far his number two used pitch that had a, a 0.136 batting average. Uh, so, I mean, he, he has good, good top two pitches. He throws five, not, you know, not as much. And I think that's still something that, you know, him and Hadavi and, and, Daniel Moskis are going to be tinkering with as far as really mixing, you know, bringing more pitches into the mix more often. Um, yeah. So as far as the stuff goes, B plus, you want to see it. You want to see that numbers be a little better, but they were good for this season for him, for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he made adjustments. I remember you know, early in the season, he was kind of struggling to get through five innings um, for the most part. And then by the end of the season, I, I mean, he was, it felt like he was going to give you your, you, you know, he took the ball and you could count on six, seven innings every time he went out there. I mean, that's as far as adjustments go, like that's, he, he became a guy that you can count on to cover innings later in the season. He still had a couple games that, you know, a little shorter, um, got, you know, gave up a few more runs or something like that. But I mean, he was kind of, he was kind of giving you quality start after quality start there for a little while. Um, and you know, that's, 
you want again, I gave him a B plus in that sense, just because you want to see that over the full season, not half the lockout and, and the 90, you know, the 99 day lockouts, short spring that didn't help him at all, at least in the first half. But um, now that he's got the full off season, uh, he, he was telling me he feels good. Um, he's going to spend the off season. He wants to kind of, he, he put on weight last off season to, and he thinks that kind of helped him get through most of the grind of the season. He plans on kind of keeping that on, adding more core stability, all these different things just to help his body get through the the full season. Um, so if he could do that, he's got the full off season, regular spring training. So if he can bring what he kind of did in that second half, like July, August into next year and do that the whole year, I think, I mean, I think you're looking at a, at a very good foundational piece for this team moving forward. Uh, unrelated naked guy is on the balcony, but he's not naked. Um, yep. got a hoodie on. Too cold. She's wearing a hoodie. Hoodie yeah. guy. Um, so what was your overall for steel again? B plus. B plus. Okay. Mine's not different, but it is different. Uh, so I guess it is different. Uh, I'm going results B because he did struggle to start the year. Um, he, you know, he really didn't get it going, honestly, until June. Beginning of June, if you you look at his number, you go on fan graphs and pull up the game logs and look, start at June and move to the rest of the year. I think that's that was that was when you started to believe that this guy could be something in this rotation. April and May wasn't the greatest months for him. But again, he was coming into a year where the Cubs just kind of threw him into the fire to see what he could do. I, you know, there were some starts he had at the end of 2021 that I, you know, thought that there was some potential there. And again, it just wasn't off to a great start. So um, you know, I'd probably give his results a higher grade if he had just done it all season. <laughs> but, um, you know, we talked about how at the beginning of the year, the starting rotation just wasn't giving you quality innings, wasn't going deep in the games. And he was one of those guys. Um, I'm glad that he figured it out. And I think the, the, the conversation with John Lester and, you know, with the, just the, how the Cubs pitch, pitching coach, uh, Hadavi and, and Moscos are, have, are able to take guys who may not be highlighted as someone who's going to be able to take your, be the top of your rotation, but get the best out of them with the talent that they are. Um, did I think at the end of this year that Justin Steele was going to be in the middle of the rotation, the Cubs rotation in 2023? Go, like, did I, did I have a high belief that he could be that guy? No. Uh, he changed my mind, though. And, and when I say that doesn't mean that I didn't think he could be on the team. I thought maybe he would go back to the bullpen. Um, but he pitched well enough to give me confidence in him being in uh, the rotation next year. And that's kind of why I have an A for him on stuff slash ad adjustments. Like I said, he got better as the year went along. He was, like Ryan said, was going six, seven innings. Um, there were starts where he looked like unhittable. He looked like an, he, there were starts out that he looked like a number one starter out there. Um, he was very fun to watch, and then on top of not not on top of just the performance, you had the you you had the bull bulldog mentality from him. Uh, it felt like sometimes when he was out there, uh, and I love the energy. Never forget the gif after uh, I think there was an out like a a, a relay throw home, uh, and he's behind home plate, and they get the out, and he's just pumped up, and like I love that energy uh, from your starting pitcher whenever the defense picks picks him up and stuff, even in times where he's maybe not doing the best, but I think you had a lot of John Lester type vibes from him this year. Do I think he's going to be, have a John Lester like career? No, because John Lester is a borderline hall of famer, but he, he definitely gives off the vibe of 
you can put me in a game and go out there and give you quality innings and give my and give my team a chance to win. And you, when you look at the rest of the pitchers in the, around the league, like I think you can put him up there with someone who you can believe in. Again, he's, there's no doubt he's going to be in the rotation next year. So as far as stuff and adjusting, uh, I, I I put that a, at an A. Then overall, I'm just going with a B because we just didn't get a full year of it, right? It was from June until we got hurt. And you got hurt at what, the end of August? Um, yeah, so we missed all September. Right. So, like, what I need is a full year of it. I need a full year. And he got he gave us 24 starts. That's solid. We need 30. I need 30 starts. I need 30 starts from Justin Steele next year, and he will earn an A from me. If he gives me 30 starts and numbers like this next year, he will undoubtedly be – just a great representation of how this pitching infrastructure has completely changed for the Cubs since the golden era ended, honestly. So um, I think a B is a fair grade for someone like him. Could have been higher, again, if he was more consistent and better in, in April and May for me. I think uh, those I'll, are both really fair grades for him. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like just just rankings as far as like, so this is kind of in a group of starters with at least 100 innings pitched. This is all per fan graphs. Um, you know, Justin Steele had two point or was worth 2.6 F war, you know, Fangrass wins or wins above replacement, um, which is 51st across the big leagues among starters with 100 innings pitched. And that's including him missing an entire month. So like that, you know, that's if you're just kind of saying everyone, you know, everyone has a one, two, and they just kind of keep going down from there. That would be like that would be like a, a two, three level starter, at least, uh, which is what you want from Justin Steele. Uh, 3.9 percent barrel rate ranks second in that group. 33.3% hard hit rate ranked 14th in that group. Um, and then he had, you know, 51.2% ground ball rate, 12th, 8.7 fly ball per home run ratio, 28th. So just, again, a lot of balls getting put on the ground, even the ones in the air, not hit hard, not leaving the park. Yeah. Do dead baseballs have something to do with it? Maybe. But, <laughs> but he just, again, a guy that has stuff that maybe plays a little bit later on in the pitch that, kind of throws things off just by just by a touch so that guys aren't getting the full barrel on the ball and you you see it lead to to success as far as limiting just limiting big score you know, you know big run plays home runs triples like extra base hits like Justin Steele I think if, if that's one thing he can build on is the fact that he just limits hard contact among kind of the best hit pitchers in the league yeah i i just you know to me when you, you looked at the expectations for him coming into this year, I think he completely surpassed anything that we all oh, thought. Yeah. And oh, like, yeah. that's, that's why, you know, I give him a B. Um, it's fair. You know, this that's, that's this year fair. was all about learning and exploring. Right. And we learned a lot. And uh, I think that the Cubs have a very solid middle of the rotation guy going in next year. Yeah. All right. Let's do mine real quick. Cause mine's pretty much on the same path as yours. Again, like, Going into it, I didn't know what to expect. I, he was a four or five I, early in the season when he was struggling. I was ready to send him back to the bullpen. And then John Lester got a hold of him and said, pound your fastball, kid. Don't be afraid. Go after him, right? Yeah, yeah. Corey Friedman got all sweaty and excited and was <laughs> just all about it. And so I, I went I went about pretty much the same way you guys did. I went overall B plus, but like the results are a B because again, the beginning of the season wasn't great. And if I'm comparing him to uh, the other pitchers in the league, it's not like he's in the top 10 in any category in major league baseball. It's like, he's not, he's not one of the five best ERAs in baseball, but for a B at, at the four or five spot in a rotation, 
Yeah, yeah, he is pretty good. So I tried to average those two things and say, okay, he gets a B. Stuff and adjustments, that's where he gets the A. He, ch- he added a pitch, and he changed the way he was going about it, and he got the results. I don't, I don't care which of them was a bigger impact. He got the results. And I go B-plus because I don't, I don't think he was better than Nico Horner. So I don't think anybody's getting better than a B plus, but I, maybe I'm forgetting somebody in my head as we start to go through it. But I think Steele and Horner, you could, I could have argued a minus for each of them. I just think B plus seemed in my eyes uh, a little bit more fair, by the way, have you seen um, tough times for former Cubs? Like David Robertson's got a calf injury from celebrating with the Phillies. Um, Kimbrell's not on the divisional list. Chapman's not on the divisional list. Efros uh, got hurt. Efros is the oh, I feel awful for him. Did you think? But now you look at that yeah, deal and you go, "Holy yeah. cow!" Like what? You got West Nesky and he's going to have Tommy John. It's like yeah, it's like Hoyer coming to the Cubs, right? Yeah, I you know I said it to Ryan before we went on air uh, when we were talking about it a little, and it's like. Uh, I feel bad for the guy considering how he completely changed the type of pitcher he was to get to the major leagues. But also, Jed Hoyer has fleeced the city of New York consecutive (laughs) years. Um, (laughs) You got to love what we see in PCA and what we've seen from Hayden Wisniewski in the month that we saw him. There's a lot to like, guys. There's a lot to like. Not saying that it's like it's... uh, I'm not saying the Cubs have won the trade yet. I'm just saying that looking good i mean if he's yeah i process to have tommy john now he's definitely going to be out all of next year so that's another year of control the yankees lose out also they're not going to be able to use him this playoffs i mean if wesnowski says healthy uh you know we're feeling pretty good about that one and remember at the time of the trade a lot of people freaked out including me and uh you know sometimes like Sometimes the front office sees some things more than than what we see. And I'm not saying that they saw an injury coming to Scott Efrost, but I think to be able to get a potential guy in the rotation um, for a reliever where you're already developing a lot of relievers yourself, it's kind of – you look at it and you're like, wow, that's that's a great trade. For Honestly, yeah. at the time of it, yeah. you, once you think about it later, you're like, well, that's a great trade for both teams because the Yankees needed bullpen help and the Cubs needed a, a, another – a starter you know what i mean yeah i mean i think it kind of worked in the way i know jed kind of said it was just like a good old-fashioned baseball trade like it was just wasn't like future versus now that kind of stuff it was like the cubs got a guy the cubs got a guy and the yankees got a guy like that that they both really wanted and uh, that's what jed said on monday so it it kind of was like i mean if if, this 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 makes it like a uh, the cubs won the trade as far as like this season goes but like if if f ross obviously doesn't need Tommy John pitches ball for the Yankees is like both sides feel great about that trade. I think the Cubs feel comfortable knowing that they're, that they have a good infrastructure to bring up good relievers through their system. And I think the Yankees have, uh, have a good feeling about what their in- pitching infrastructure could do for starting pitchers. So it's like if Efros again, doesn't get hurt and pitches well for the Yankees, they have control uh, over him for a few more years. Like, I think they both feel good about how they're how the, the the trade went for both sides because they can kind of replace what they lost in that trade. I think both teams see that, and I guess you kind of see what Efros does for the next few years. Now, I mean, not next year. I, I think it 
pretty clear he's going to miss all next year now. Yeah. Um, but the years after that, like, see yeah. what he can do in a Yankee uniform, and then you kind of see. Then you can kind of look back and see, you know, did both honestly both sides may may have won this trade. Yeah, but when it comes down to it, but right now it, it looks really good for the Cubs. Yeah, so it savor does. the flavor. <laughs> uh, hey, real quick before we go, we got a message, I believe, uh, on Twitter or sent to the CHGO. It oh, was yeah. uh, Josh, a From Cubs Milwaukee. fan in Milwaukee, and he he's wanted us to address the fact that Vegas going into the season set the over under for Cubs wins at seventy five, right? It ends up being seventy four, and he's like. How did they get so close? Cody, I'll let you handle this because really this is why Vegas is unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I'll say this. Like, I know that everyone will laugh at me when I say that Wade Miley and Albert Alzale, like not being a part of the first half isn't the reason or isn't the reason that the Cubs lost so many games. But when you talk about how the starting rotation was not good at all, you know, we talked about how Wade Miley was a quality arm or has a history of being a quality arm. Who knows? Maybe the Cubs get a few more wins in the first half um, if he's healthy. And Albert Alzale, we just saw in September how good he can be out of the bullpen. And, I mean, we were – I didn't know how they were going to use him. I assumed he was going to be in the rotation going into this year before they even got hurt. I just think that Vegas thought or thinks that – I guess thought that there were the Cubs would be in a lot of close games and the Cubs were in a lot of close yeah. games this year and they would have hit that over if that first half went a little bit better. I don't think yeah, that they yeah. thought that, Oh, the schedule's easy in the second half. They're going to get to 74 or five wins or whatever. No. I think that they genuinely thought the Cubs would be a mediocre team. Like we all, like all season. Yeah. Like all season, 25 games. Under right. But yeah. No, I don't think anyone thought that they were going to lose like 60 games. Like as far as like the Vegas people, what'd you say, Luke? Yeah. I said, they didn't trade their two big position players. You got to factor yeah, that into, I think most people thought Contreras and half were gone. So yeah, how many wins did those guys help them get in the second half of the season? I don't, it's unbelievable that they're that close. You just watch well, the football games and you're like, how do, how do they come up with an over-under for points and it's coming down to some guy taking a safety at the end of the game, screwing mm-hmm. over, you know, millions well, that, of people on a bat? The point, the point about Happ and Contreras, I mean, a large majority of everyone thought they were going to be gone. Again, they set yeah. that line before the year, right? Yeah. So they're thinking with that possibly being a thing as well is even more kind of like a, like, wow. Because especially after that first half, and if they did trade those guys, then yeah, I think we'd be talking about a hundred lost team here. Um, but you know, I don't know. It's uh, I can't explain Vegas. They just they yeah. ju- they just know something. Yeah, but I just, I've always been of the okay, like I don't know how Vegas runs. I don't want to know how Vegas runs. They may have <laughs> or may have not done a deal with the devil just to mm-hmm. just hey, just feed me some of these odds here now. Like just help, help sometimes us this thing. I, so, I don't know. I, it's it's a mystery to me. I I'll never figure it out, and I'm just gonna keep gambling and and barely losing over unders because because i can't i can't there's no way to there's no way to figure it out vegas is king yeah uh sometimes you can get you can catch them wrong though like that line last night for raiders and chiefs i took the raiders and that was never a doubt literally never a doubt that's that's why cody's in on this stuff because he always thinks he's got a little more on it than vegas he always thinks he's ahead of the game and that's why 15 bets a night go down like and this, that's how his weekend gets flooded with like 75 bets 
The house always Boys wins, man. He's got it over Vegas. I finished even this week, right? The house always right. wins, no matter what you finished do. Finished even. Could have been worse. I've already placed bets for this coming weekend. I can't wait to sweat them all. Of course you have. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to continue our report cards tomorrow at 1.20, Wednesday, 1.20. Corey Friedman's also going to join us in studio, break down a couple more Cubs players, talk about the games that are going on right now. Philly's pouring on big against the Braves. And uh, we want to thank Adam Sobel and Mike Welsh, Cubs Productions and Sky Candy Studios, our guests today. We appreciate that. And we appreciate everybody in the chat that jumped on. Another good chat for middle of the day, 120. Uh, so we will see you at that time on Wednesday as well. Thanks again for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Take care. Fly the W. We'll see you on Wednesday.